You're listening to a Mint podcast brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi everyone, this is Shovik and welcome to the Mint Techsetra podcast. I cover technology for Mint where we try to make boring tech sound cool for you and hope that we don't end up making cool tech sound boring. Tune in as we decode the latest from the world of technology in India and around the world every week. India's G20 presidency concluded with a plomb on the 10th of September when the leaders of the member nations agreed to New Delhi's proposals. Now despite the G20 leadership meeting being a largely geopolitical one, there is a very important thing to note with our presidency this year and that is the role that technology has played. Now you see while there are a number of issues that were put on the forefront by India, a key theme across all recommendations and discussions that were a part of the G20 summit included technology at a very pivotal level. But why is that and why is technology suddenly playing such a massive role on the geopolitical forefront? Is it even a surprise and should we expect more such things to come through when it comes to political gatherings going forward? You see the answer is actually straightforward and quite easy and that is yes. Technology in today's world actually covers pretty much everything that we know of. from payments to data transfer to any kind of functioning across any industry technology is present everywhere think of oil rigs and you have technology connecting these rigs to give real time analytics think of power grids and the same is valid as well and then there is of course the entire world of it operations and so on and so forth which govern how our data is stored how our data is processed and many more facets of this very same point and that is really not a new thing but at this year's G20 summit india forefronted a very key proposal on technology and that is to offer our digital public infrastructure as part of the global offerings through this summit now what is digital public infrastructure in simpler words think of digital goods or technologies that have been built for public utilities This is the same as public infrastructure that would be built previously for public usage only now it is on the technological side. Now DPIs aren't exactly new so to speak but they are definitely transformational. For instance the story of India's UPI success is not really new and everyone has seen how the contactless payment system has proliferated across the country. where today even in the remotest of the towns you can still find a qr code through which you can pay online the same holds true for vendors as well as peer to peer transfers or person to person transfers when we speak of vendors we mean shops at which you can pay and upi today as you would know is pretty much accepted everywhere now upi success story gave india a huge impetus to push for adoption of its digital public infrastructure around the world but what do we really stand to gain because upi is a technology that was built by us we've spent a lot of money to come up with the technology we spend a lot of money to maintain the overall infrastructure and it's not just upi that we're talking about there's also the entire aadhaar stack which has been used for identification and now payments and credit as well 
Now all of this has been built by India's engineers and offer a great amount of convenience as well as solutions that can make a lot of things such as payments, bank accounts, credit systems and loans available to a larger amount of population. But why are we really intent on offering this to other people or other countries? And what do we really stand to gain? You see, the answer lies in the fact that previously, and in fact historically till date, whenever we've spoken about technology, it is the United States that has led us from the forefront. Pretty much every technological innovation has been helmed in some way or the other by the United States. Think about the entire semiconductor and chip industry of today, and it is the United States through Texas Instruments and Fairchild Semiconductor and later on Intel, have forefronted innovation across the world. To the point where the United States today holds most of the world's chip design intellectual properties. And it is the United States' soft power that gives it a massive geopolitical might across the world. Consider this, that if the United States were to be annoyed with the rest of the world and were to decide that they will not offer the chip design anywhere, the entire world will have to scramble to come up with their own chip design. Now, while that seems to be a simple affair, right? We've been designing chips for a while and we've gained a fair amount of expertise. Add to that the fact that almost 20% of semiconductor engineers who design chips are actually from India. So we should be fairly good at this, right? Now, the answer is not that simple because chip design is a very complex and complicated process. And building such capability of intellectual properties can take years and years for any nation to build. And what would happen in these intervening years when we would not have access to such design? Yes, you guessed it right. A lot of things would fall apart. What kind of things? Well, pretty much everything. You see, chips are present today in absolutely anything and everything from your cars to lights to, of course, your smartphones and laptops. And that really means that the United States has a massive, massive, massive amount of global power and influence across any country. And that is what is meant by soft power. But why are we really talking about this and what does this have to do with G20 and India's declarations and proposals? You see, that's the thing. With its G20 proposals, India has offered its DPIs as a solution to the rest of the world. When the centralized UPI and Aadhaar systems were built, India was actually behind a lot of other nations when it came to technological progress on these forefronts. Fast forward to today and we are actually a leader to a point where our instant and contactless payment system does not have an equivalent even in the United States. This has of course caused the world to sit up and take notice and try to understand what exactly India got right here. In a recent forum, Ram Sevak Sharma, who headed UIDAI and the National Health Authority, stated that the cost of public identification in the UK or the United Kingdom is 135 British pounds. The same cost for public identification in India is just one British pound. Now you can imagine what difference this makes in the sense that India's framework of identification costs much, much, much lesser 
and therefore will help the government maintain a digitized identification system at a fraction of the cost that the world has so far seen. Along with the cost, of course, comes the convenience in the sense that India's overall connected public infrastructure actually works. For instance, if you apply for a loan today, your KYC validation can happen simply through the Aadhaar framework and you wouldn't need an elaborate procedure where you upload a document manually and then wait for somebody to manually vet it or verify it. And none of that is really required. Now, this gives India a massive edge in the sense that the entire tech infrastructure or the tech public infrastructure works seamlessly to a point where enterprises can actually now give out instant loans and offer instant payments. Along with this, a massive, massive amount of data is generated, which further supports a vast segment of our economy. Now, it is this that has given India a massive impetus around the world. And that is what we are likening to the United States' geopolitical power when it comes to semiconductors. But how exactly? You see, India's soft power will come from the adoption of the technology that we've built across the world. The intellectual property and the format and the overall designs will lie with India and India will get to be at the forefront of technological improvement and innovation around the world when it comes to the use of such public infrastructure. This will give us a massive amount of influence that we can then use for our geopolitical relations. The G20 leaders' declaration includes a number of such items. For instance, maintaining a G20 framework for systems of DPIs, maintaining a global digital public infrastructure repository, and also a number of other aspects such as maintaining a One Future Alliance, which was defined as a voluntary initiative aimed to build capacity and provide technical assistance and adequate funding support for implementing DPIs. Now, this can actually be of massive help to the non-developed nations or the non-economic superpowers, the smaller economies, which will stand to gain the most from access to such infrastructure. The simplest reason for this is that the larger economies, of course, have the means and measures to build their own equivalent of these systems. But if a larger number of smaller economies adopt our technologies, this will give India a massive amount of soft power or influence and that is what puts technology at the epicenter of our G20 summit. There are other aspects, of course. For instance, under sustainable development goals, technology will definitely play a big role in helping companies move towards sustainability initiatives. And there's, of course, climate action, which means that companies can use technology to improve their sustainability and environmental efforts. Now, these are the obvious areas where technology is involved, but the true central piece lies with India's offering of DPIs, and that can potentially, in decades to come, put India at a very firm footing in the global technology map. Given that every geopolitical relation today in some way involves technology, including warfare as well as diplomacy, it is this that can play a massively pivotal role in the years to come. That's it for this time. See you next week. 
So that's that for this episode. We really hope that you enjoyed what we discussed and if you have suggestions in terms of what more we can cover as part of our podcast, do let us know. You can catch me at Distant Vicinity on Twitter and at Shovik Das on Instagram. Thank you so much. See you next time. To stay updated on this podcast, follow us at HD Smartcast on all the major social media platforms. To listen to more such podcasts, log on to www.hdsmartcast.com. Listener.